Hello there, and welcome to episode two of Canadian's Time. I'm D.F. Pendries, your solitary host on this little adventure we're going on. So let's get into it. A lot of Canadian's news over the past week. First of all, big, big news for the Canadian's Marie-Philippe Len. Marie-Philippe Len, don't want to get that wrong, has joined the club in a part-time capacity to work with player development. This is just a big news, probably the best uh, women's hockey player in the world joining the uh, Canadians. Now, I, I, I don't use the term women's hockey myself very often because women's hockey also encompasses pretty much anyone who's not a man and so that can include any trans players as well and so that becomes a difficult term when you're using it as a catch-all but for now just we'll just say women's hockey and keep it like that keep it simple but it's just everything sort of the non-male hockey realm but getting to back to Marie Flip Len, she um, is taking this part time so she can t- continue to play, continue to c- continue her career, which makes a lot of sense. And um, Melissa Boyd wrote an article about it for the hockey writers, and I'll just read a quote that uh, she put together. As a remarkably skilled player herself, she'll be able to pass on some of her go-to moves, how she sees the game, the little details in particular, and anticipates plays as they develop thanks to her high hockey IQ. Not to mention that she's a proven leader who commands respect and who inspires everyone she crosses path with. I mean, that's just, that sums it up right there. That's a fantastic quote that tells you what the Canadians are getting. And so I, I don't think there needs to be much more said. I think that just puts puts it into a great perspective. Meanwhile, in the AHL, the Laval Rocket are continuing in the playoffs, and they're taking on the Springfield Thunderbirds. Three games have been played so far. The first two games were played in Springfield, and there was a split. I, I invite you to read the Habs Eyes on the Prize recaps. They get into detail about what happened, and and but but just in brief, Springfield won the first game 2-1 to one in overtime. Danique Martel had the, fir- the only goal for Laval. Laval actually had the lead till very late in the game, but then Springfield was able to tie it up and win it in overtime. Laval took the second game 4-2. to two. Brandon Jignac, Jesse Yelonen, Alex Belzeal, Raphael Harvey-Bernard had the goals for the Rocket. Game three took place in Laval. Springfield won that one 6-3. Harvey Pennard, Corey Schooneman, Nate Schnarr had the goals for the Rocket. And there's you can get more on that also from Locked on Canadians, episode 633, if you're looking for it. So I'd recommend both of that sources. So it's 2-1 to one, Springfield leading that series, but there's a lot of hockey to play in that. And... Uh, Hopefully the Rocket can turn things around. I was at the first game up in Springfield. I live in Connecticut, much like the uh, builds in Boisvert. And uh, the teams looked very, very evenly matched. I mean, they have both have great goaltending. 
They both have, I mean, a lot of offensive weapons, and it's just looked, they look very, very even. And so it's not surprising that this may be, this may very well be some sort of seven game series or something like that because they just, it, it, that, it just looked like they were really even. So, also in other news, the, um, Carey Price, of course, win the Masterton Trophy win, trophy award. Um, this got a lot of press. I think a lot of people in Canadian circles knew that this happened. It's I'm not going to get into it very much because I think it's a ground that's been covered by practically everybody. But I I did want to note that um, that on the another podcast the build which is hosted by the aforementioned Ian Bavare the very valid critique of the award and actually the overall award voting process which I invite you to go look and listen to which um I just felt there was a there's a lot said over on that podcast it's worth listening to about just how awards are chosen and how the masterton is is sort of just what what its origins are and just what it's what it's about and that's not to take away from the winners of the award and whether it's carrie price or anyone who's won it overall it's just it's just i found it it's 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 a it's an interesting question about why why that that award exists and what its premise is and uh so i'll, I'll that'll be in the show notes as well so then there are a lot of a lot of a lot of off-season moves potential or rea- or have become reality sort of being discussed in the in the ether out there. One interesting um, discussion that came up is was put put up there in an article by Jimmy Murphy of Montreal Hockey Now. He uh, said that Mon- Hurricanes defenseman Ethan Bear could be a good fit for the Canadians, and Bear is going to become a UFA, and. I actually thought this would be an interesting fit as well. So um, Murphy knows more about hockey than I do, so a credit to Murphy on this. Um, but this would be a very interesting thing. The, the Hurricanes didn't really use Bear that much. But um, it would be very, very nice to see Bear end up with a shot at the Canadians just um, – Given that uh, now he he was injured recently, and then Murphy notes that in his article. But um, assuming Bear gets healthy, it might be a good pickup because Bear is young and could be just a valuable, just a new piece to add to the defensive mix. Because I mean, nothing certain. With you have a lot of prospects in the mix for the Canadians, and you still sort of don't know what your veteran core is going to look like. So it might be just a useful, um, just a useful move to bring in somebody like Bear to the defensive core. Speaking of the defensive core, the Canadians signed Chris Weidman to a two-year extension, and as. Uh, Jimmy Murphy again notes in his article about that signing, Weidman had a solid season for the Habs with four goals, 23 assists, and 64 games. And the the assists were, he sort of sort of threw, flew under the radar there. 
and it was uh, was it was a was it wasn't a bad season for Weidman. So it's going to be. I think it was it was a solid pickup uh, when 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 the Canadians are really trying to sort of solidify some some positions, and I think that especially when you consider the sort of there there was this the sort of early Ducharme period where things were not going so well, and then things sort of picked up under Saint Louis. I think we we don't don't know maybe Weidman is just going to have a the ability to sort of pick up as well, so I, I think it's 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 a it's just a good signing. I think Weidman was a stable force, and the Canadians could sure use stability. Another good, interesting article about who the Canadians might pick up was sort of it, this was there there was um, Elliot Friedman sort of stirred the pot talking about restricted free agents that might not get offered qualifying offers. And this led to some articles being written about some of the listed qualif- agent, free agents that might be, on, might be on that list that Friedman noted. And uh, Blaine Potvin in the Hockey Writers talked about a few of those that maybe the Canadians could target. And his list uh, included Dylan Strom, Pavel Zaka, and Vitaly Kravstov. And I urge you to go read the article for the rationale for that. And I'm only going to talk about Zaka because I want you to read the articles I'm mentioning. I'm not going to just steal people's thunder here. But Zaka, who has been underperforming in New Jersey compared to expectations, but could be a piece that the Canadians could use. And Potvin notes in, and I quote, at six foot three, 210 pounds, Zaka, like Strom, has the size and strength to make him tough to move off the boards or away from the front of the net. He also has an excellent shot and hasn't had his breakout season yet. And that's so. There's still a lot of potential for Zaka, and so, and he he's certainly shown promise, but just has not sort of exploded like a lot of other players on the Devils have. And the Devils have had a lot of young players who have really you know, really stepped up. So it it but it might be a change of scenery might give him the chance to to fit into Montreal and Montreal could sure use some influx of some, some young energy. Also on that note, so Jimmy Murphy also wrote an article about, about the RFAs and also talked about Strom and Zaka as well. So there's, there's some, there's some, some similar lines of thought about those two. And Zaka's name, especially, has been floating around since the since the trade deadline. So there, there, there isn't there. There, that's not an unusual conceit there. And t- now turning to a bigger issue, which I mean, everyone is sort of familiar with. It's not not been. Um, now it's going to be surprising to anyone as Jeff Petrie, uh, 
And again, Jimmy Murphy's been all over, all over this art, all over this podcast today. Um, there was an article about how Pierre LeBrun reported a rumor that if Klingberg goes out of Dallas, Petrie might be a, a valuable pickup to the stars. And so that might be interesting. And, but on the other side of things, when I was listening to the Bill podcast, it was on the other side of things was the question of whether you want to let Petrie go because uh, Ian had pointed out that Andrew Berkshire, Berkshire, I want to make sure I get that right. I'm not entirely sure. I, and I should should have should have uh, pre-checked that because he's on game over every night. I could really check that one. So apologies for getting that wrong. If I get it wrong, I will not make that mistake again. And anyway, there the there was a what was done was Petrie was studied and it was found that Petrie had the highest positive on ice impact of all the Canadians. And so when one is looking at Petrie's value, that should be considered. And also that, um, and it was also mentioned on the bill, that Montreal doesn't have a player to replace him currently. And so they would need to bring one in. And so there's, so... So, and also Dallas was also suggested as a trading partner as well on the build. So Dallas is seen as a potential trading partner to multiple people. Now, so the, the Jeff Petrie saga just rolls on. It's a, it'll be interesting to see whether he will finally end up in, you know, getting traded back to the United States or if just something has worked out because he's a very valuable player and he really was able to get back on the horse once Martin St. Louis got in the coaching saddle. And I just use a lot of horse references. Speaking of back in the saddle, now Brett Kulak, who was traded to Edmonton but will be a free agent, might return, as was talked about on Lockdown Canadians. They mentioned that Kulak didn't rule out coming back to the Canadians. And uh, as Scott Matla in the program had mentioned, he said that Kulak's a sneaky underrated piece and also referred to him as a Swiss Army knife as a player. So that that could be another stabilizing player on the defense to and and Kulak played some really solid minutes for Edmonton in in the in the regular season and it got all the playoff action so Kulak could certainly be um, definitely welcome back in Montreal if they chose to go that way turning to sort of the the youngins and there's a there's a, the the junior action still going on. There's a lot of junior playoffs. The uh, Arbor Jackeye and uh, John Misak 
are playing in the OHL finals for the Hamilton Bulldogs, and uh, they w- their next games are June 10th and June 12th, so that series is still rolling on. And uh, Caden Gooley is playing in the CHL playoffs, and uh, Marco Diamico, Marco D'Amico uh, had said in one of his recent articles for Montreal Hockey Now, he had 40 points in 42 games in the regular season, and he posted seven goals and eight assists for 15 points in 16 games. And I'm not sure if that's the most updated number, but that's what I have in the most recent article I read from Montreal Hockey Now. And another article from Marco D'Amico had had the Canadians showing interest in, and I'm going to be careful with this name, it's Jonathan Lekker-Maki, and I'm not sure about the pronunciation about that one. Uh, I should have gone to Elite Prospects before... I started, and I apologize for that. And if I get it wrong, I will make a note in the show notes Um, because Elite Prospects does have pronunciations, and usually that's what I need to do. Um, So usually I'll make every, every attempt to get these pronunciations right the first time. The nonetheless... Um, he has been um, seen as a target for the Canadians. Um, there's a quote in here from D'Amico uh, that he is one of the best goal scorers in this draft and took the Swedish J20 League by storm this season, posting 20 goals and 15 assists for 35 points in 26 games. So that's that's um, be interesting to see. If that's a player that the Canadians end up with, uh, you know, not with the first pick, obviously, but in with later picks. And finally, with talking more prospects, just uh, just a uh, heads up that if you're looking for more prospect talk, Habs Unfiltered in their least recent, most recent podcast had the Kingston Frontenacs play-by-play person on who talked about OHL prospects in detail and, of course, as part of that, talked about Shane Wright, but then when it was talked about plenty of others before the Shane Wright discussion, so there was um, a lot of great info there, so just thought I'd mention that. All right, so that's a lot of ground covered, and I think I'll end it there. Um, thank you for listening. I've done a lot of talking, and uh, thank you again. And uh, that's all for now.